Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. And today you get to hear from Kari Sullivan, which I'm so excited for this conversation. Uh, Kari is somebody that I've known actually for a long time and had the pleasure of watching her come into this space that she is currently occupying. She and I had a conversation the week before we went into lockdown. We did a live event with you. Do you remember that, Kari? Yes, I do. Yes. I do. And here we are again. Yes. So this great. time getting a little bit more background. So welcome. Welcome to the show, Kari. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Oh my gosh, so glad to have you. <laughs> and by the way, you guys, it's I'm saying Kari because I'm trying to pronounce her name well, but it's spelled like Corey, C-O-R-R-I-E. And her um, Instagram is Corey in color. So just, I just don't want anyone to confuse that. Anyway, so Kari, <laughs> tell us a little bit about what you do. Okay, so Kari and Color is my amazing business that I, I just love. And um, in a little snapshot, it's, it's I basically create art installations for an, events and interiors. And that obviously broadens out because that's my little elevator one-liner, which I think I learned how to do from you a while back of like having a little pitch. (laughs) But basically I create like really unique, interesting art installations that are colorful and beautiful for like events, anything from a corporate event um, to a fun private event, which I've been doing a lot of recently, which are really great. And then also installations for, you know, various things like branded events, pop-ups and things like that. And then a new side of my business, which has just developed over the last few years is like the interior art where I create art for like corporate spaces, like hotels and things like that. I work with various agencies doing that. So yeah, it's really varied. I use all different kind of crazy materials. Every week it's something different, which is also what I love doing. And people have to see to understand what you're talking about. Like, even from that description, I know exactly as you're saying it, I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen that piece and I've seen that piece. And I don't know, can we name names of some of the things you've done? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so like, I'm thinking of the Lexus thing that you did, that huge wall. Was that tissue? What was that? Yeah, that was all paper. And it was actually for the LA Food and Wine Festival that they had. And it was all outdoors in front of the Walt Disney Concert Hall here in LA. And they hired me to kind of help basically put their booth together for that event. But it ended up being, we used, all of it was paper and there was three different kind of 
um, areas within that, but it was all like paper rolls. I think I used like 6,000 paper rolls. Like it was like these nutso things, like where you look at, you're like, wow. And it's up for three days, but it, it just like, I think it's the repetition of like a material. So right. paper ribbons, and then I use a ton of them and it creates like this moment. And so, yeah. And all those brands are really wanting to create that now because of all the experiential marketing that's out there, which is yes. really how things have grown for me because people want to have something unique, colorful, and catches people's eyes on Instagram. And so really that's how things have really developed for me. So that the guest of whatever yes. that event is, is taking pictures in that yes. space, which is yes. branded by the company that hired yep. you. Again, just to give our listeners some context. So listeners, go check out the site. You'll be <laughs> so inspired and it's just fun to scroll through. It's it's so, uh, so creative. And speaking of creative, give us a little background. So one doesn't just wake up in the morning and say, I think I'm going to create these installations for companies and for individuals. What was your background before kind of honing in on this particular segment of, of the market? So I don't know if you can hear it in my accent still, but I'm originally from Ireland. I grew up there um, and I went to college there. And so I did art school and my degree was in embroidery. I specialized in design um, and in textile design, which in my course, it was super practical, but also very creative and using loads of materials. So we did like weave, print and embroidery. And I ended up specializing in embroidery, but it wasn't like your traditional, you know, grandma embroidery. I always say that to people, but right. it's really interesting to say this because it really now what I do, I look back and I'm like, oh, all the skills from that have actually led into what I do. So we used so many different materials um, you know, sewing together pieces of glass and creating sculptures, you know, working within interiors. And it's funny how you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so like what I do now. When we moved to LA, me and my husband, we got married young. And so we were like, let's go to LA. Let's have an adventure before we settle down. My husband's mom's Americans. So we were able to do that. And when we landed in LA, my I had worked for a company in London doing freelance embroidery projects and they were saying LA is great city creatively for all that but when I landed I just had no idea and I had no idea about this freelance world so I I've, I bounced around so many different kind of things very much starting with like design hands-on embroidery samplers I would do for companies like Pottery Barn you know at that time with all you yeah. know your little girls rooms and things like that so I did stuff yeah. like that when I started to have children, my first kid kind of spurred a whole other business. And me and my friend, we started um, a vintage clothing line for kids called Homespun Vintage. And we did that for a couple of years. I think that's when I first met you. Yes, I think yeah. so too. And we were yeah. in that moment of doing that. And like, I think for me, it was the first taste of like owning your own business and doing all that. And I partnered with my best friend and it was amazing. And she would source all these children's clothing from rag houses and then I would embroider on them or I would help redesign them and we also right. did our own design collection so we did that for a while and then that kind of just morphed and we both did separate paths again and then I worked actually in my faith community in Mosaic for a while and they mm -hmm. were really into the arts and I think that's where I met you again through other people in that community but it was really interesting because they would do these amazing installations for Easter. And I remember we did this big giant paper flower wall and it was just ginormous with white flowers. And it was like a community thing, but I was helping organize it. And that was definitely the first moment where we did something where um, people went and took a photo in front of it. And it was this like to provoke this feeling about, you know, coming into Easter and a birth. And I was like, oh, this is so interesting. And it was from that moment, I was like, Instagram was getting bigger and Pinterest and all those things and people wanting that moment. So that was probably the catalyst. And from there, I got asked to do a wedding and that wedding got put in a magazine and then I got asked to do other things. So it was it, that was kind of the pathway, but it's been very diverse, but it's always been hands-on creating things has been the common thread of what I've done and just loving that feeling. No pun intended. The, the common no pun thread. intended. <laughs> yes. Do you do custom work? I do. And I, I, I did do that a little bit more during COVID is that was one part I kind yeah. of started reaching out and developing because again, that kind of went into developing that interior design part of 
my business, which is more like permanent artwork. And so, yes, I've taken on commissions, but now that I'm so busy again, that part of things have, has not, I haven't invested as much because sure. now I'm getting like, I have a two agencies that give me consistent work like this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Don't yeah. get ahead. We, we've got to go <laughs> through the story of how you got to all this. This is crazy yes. to me. Okay. Not hard to believe because you are so creative and we're so willing to work hard. So it's not hard to believe. It's just like, oh my gosh, the, like the sky opened up. I want to back up a little bit when you were doing, you know, you talked about moving here with your husband. You talked about yep. some of the freelance work you were getting from um, places like Pottery Barn, and then you started a business with your best friend. Was that yeah. the goal? Was the goal to have your own sort of entrepreneurial venture? That's a really good question. I don't think I really had thought through it. I didn't okay. know what I wanted. And I think that when we first moved here, it was my year of like exploring and figuring yeah. things out. And so I... I was, yeah, it was like this moment of like landing into things and finding that I really enjoyed them. And I think with that was with starting a business. It just was something like we just started doing. So no, there was no yeah. intention in any of it. I think a lot of things I fell into and then figured out I loved it or I didn't and ebbed and flowed from there, if that makes sense. Loving the work makes sense to me. Yeah. Like doing things yes. and then understanding like, oh, I actually like doing this. I want to do more of this. That I get. Did you like working for yourself or did you like the structure of working for someone else? No, I loved working for myself. And I think okay. it isn't until you work for someone else and then start working for yourself do you realize if you love that. And I know it's funny because I just can't believe how like not everyone just loves working for themselves. <laughs> like, right. you know, I was, right. you know, and of course so many people do work for other companies and love it. But for me, no, the minute I started Kari and Color and things started to really flow, I was like, this is it. And I love it. And this you know, it. because it goes from like, I felt like, oh, I loved every aspect of it. Even the spreadsheet. I was like, I love doing my spreadsheet for some reason now. It's like, you're a part of it. And I was yeah. like, this is so crazy. Like, I love doing the things I never thought I would because it just came in that whole package. And that's what, that was what really clinched it for me. And I think I, I had great experiences of learning and working for other people, just at various steps right. for sure. But it was when I did it on my own, I was like, this is it. And I don't, I could never go back to working someone else. It's just, it's just me. And I love it. I love just being able to own my own creative vision and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I love it. It's interesting you talk about loving the spreadsheets, which I'm sure some people yeah. are hearing and they're like, like, like what? what? <laughs> How can you be yeah. such a creative and <laughs> yes. love that? But I think really those things, and I've said this before, like data is sexy. Data yeah. is good. Yeah. It's cool. Yes. It's just understanding how it it kind of informs what we're doing or it tells the story about what we're doing. And when you're looking at a spreadsheet, it's telling you yeah. what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, or what people want what people don't necessarily want, what you should do more of. It's telling you a story about your business. And it's so great to be able to respond to something that's not just an idea in your head or a hunch. It's like, there it is. I can yes. follow this sort of breadcrumb trail to what I should be doing next. So it can be a really invigorating experience, yeah. even though I know people are like, what are they talking about right now? But it's true. Yeah, um, it is now, true. You talked about everything opening up and getting one deal after the next, yeah. meaning yep. one brand saw you and then it was sort of word of mouth and not that you weren't hustling and pursuing people too and pursuing a lot of events. Sort of everything started to open up for you right before the pandemic, yeah. wouldn't you say? Yes. You were at your peak. Yeah, 2019 was amazing. And I was like, this is it. We, we're doing it. We're growing. Yes. Yeah. And then we all know so, what happens. Yes, yes. So what happens to a brand yeah. that's completely reliant at this point on events? Yeah. And like, where do you go from here, especially when you were like, you weren't even peaking, you were like yeah, no. climbing up, there was so much momentum. So what happened? It was so, it was so hard. I just remember the moment, I think it was all within a week, the girls, 
I have three daughters, yeah. all their school stopped, all my jobs got canceled, like literally it was all within a few days. And I was just like, oh my goodness, what's happening? And I think we were all still, I was still all in that shock of like, maybe this isn't very permanent, you know, maybe right. it's only for a yeah. couple of weeks. Two you weeks. know, we did have that. Two weeks. And I am yeah. internal optimist like person, very positive. So I always had that, but there was definitely moments where I was like, what am I going to do? Um, and I think I remember we made me and my husband we made a choice indigo my youngest who's in kindergarten now but luckily at the time she was in preschool and actually her preschool opened back up and i remember going mm -hmm. i'm doing this even though i don't have the money to pay for it right now we are doing this because I, yeah. i have to do it and so i think yeah. that was motivation of figuring out what to do and a couple of things One area was that I found that still kind of maintained a little bit was that interior art side of things. So I kind of touched on that a little bit. I worked with this yeah. agency. And so what I did was like, I was like, I'm going to just really look at other options, look at other agencies. What else could I do and try and grow this area? Because weirdly enough, like hotels and places like that, this was an ideal time for them to do a rebrand or redo. So just really quickly, so we're, we understand what you're talking about. So these yes. things would be more permanent. Yes. And they would exist like you mentioned a hotel. So it might be like yes. the backdrop behind the front desk or something. Yes. Is yes. that what we're talking um, about? Yes. Okay. Exactly. And actually pieces of art. So sometimes like when you go into a hotel lobby and it's all very custom to that hotel and that hotel brand. Yeah. And so what's interesting about it is that the agencies kind of almost give you like the design deck and feel of what they want. Right. And I actually really love that in some part. They're like, hey, we want this. And sometimes they'll pull stuff that I've done in the past and they'll be like, we want this hotel has got a beachy vibe. So we want you to use these kind of shells feeling. And, you know, you've done this work. We create it like this, this size. And it's yeah. very structured and it's really different to events because a lot of times you can quote for a project and then you don't start working on it for six months later. Whereas events is normally okay. like, can we have this next week? So it was just a very different way of working, but I had already started working with this one agency. And so, and they were quite big. They, you know, they had multiple offices and they, I had had quoted for various jobs. And so one or two of those actually happened during the COVID initially. And so I was like, okay, this is something that is still happening. All the events are not like, you know, and I pursued different ideas within the events, but none of it was hitting. And I was like, this is the one thing that's staying alive a little bit. And so mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. And knowing that even in 2019, when things were going really well, this was like, this is another area of business that I really want to grow because yeah. I liked the idea of having art that was permanent. And so the event world, it's gone. Whereas this was like, I could have my pieces all over the country in different hotels and It's just a lovely feeling. And I loved that for me. And also something that was a hindrance was that I was, I wasn't your traditional artist where I had the same type of artwork in various forms and they had a whole art mm -hmm. show and it was all these like, you know, the same kind of thing. For me, I loved the variation of doing like stitch stuff, working with paper, working with shells, working with rope, like in every piece being different. So I think the agency world loved that about me because then they were like, well, we need a rope piece for this, or we need like a paper thing for here or, you know, and I was willing to figure a lot of people, it freaks out, them out, whatever. but sometimes I would get something I've never done it before. And I was like, I could figure that out and make it look really good. And I loved that. And so But it made me undervalue myself thinking, well, that's not really an artist because you're not doing the traditional way of pursuing one or two different things. And it was really something that mind blocked me a little bit and being like, and then I was yeah. like, this is just not true because I'm carving my own world way of doing it. And, you know, who says this is the way an artist has to do something where it's all watercolored, sure. you know, and they all do very similar stuff. But wouldn't you say there is a through line in your work? Even I've seen some yeah. pieces that you've done that are much more muted. They're not as colorful yeah. as a lot of your kind of iconic Kari stuff. <laughs> yeah, But it's almost like I know it's you. There's, yeah. uh, I can tell that it's you. And so there are some through lines yes. in the work that you're doing and what you're creating that are very identifiable as you, even if someone doesn't know, like they wouldn't necessarily walk into a hotel and say, that's a Kari piece, not yet. What do you think was difficult for you to switch into that I'm an artist mentality or to give yourself the freedom to do more of that work? I think it was interesting because I think a lot of it was to do with confidence for me. Mm. And it, that was actually something else I pursued during the COVID thing was that I actually 
did some business coaching and I um, did a couple of sessions and just to kind of take the time, like I was like, well, this is a lull time. Mm. Why don't I take advantage of investing in my business and myself? And a lot, of, it was so funny because I thought like, well, we'll be really practical and set goals, but it ended up being a lot about like things that were really blocking me and limiting me mm. in my brain to think bigger or expand and all the things that were going on in my brain and my heart of like really wanting things to be big and to grow a business like really big that was scaring me and it was like well what's holding me back and that was one of them was like my comparison to other people my confidence of like how I'm pursuing this doesn't validate me Mm. you know as an artist in that more traditional sense and it was funny because even like Turn, I turned 40 right at the start of COVID. So 2020 in January, we had a big party for my 40th. I think it was everyone's last big party before, like, okay. They're like, that was my last <laughs> event. But it was funny because you think, I always thought when I was 40, I would have all this figured out. But it was like, almost yeah. like 40 made me push through a lot of that stuff. Like, you got it. Like, I was like, stop having these things that are limiting you. And so in some ways, COVID was great because I dealt with a lot of that stuff, but it was a hindrance, especially, and it was funny because it was the interior art and it was the artist thing that triggered that. Because I think as well, even within, when I was in college, there is a difference between like a designer and an artist. And I think there's like an in-between world. And in college, you'd have all the fine arts students. They would just bum around kind of thing, you know, like thinking about things and then painting, whereas designers were like hardworking. We crank out the work and you'd have deadlines and things like that. And I was definitely more in that way of thinking. But then Mm -hmm. the artist part of me was like, I want my work to provoke something in someone, like a joyful experience. And like, as a designer, I feel like you can, and an artist, you can be in both those worlds. And I think that's where the clash was for me. I'm so glad to hear you saying this. It's not a world that I've been struggling with, those two worlds. Um, yeah. But it's it's one that I know that a lot of listeners probably have and haven't even been able to articulate. Yeah. That there's a distinction between the two and that there's a battle at times between the two. Because you had a traditional education in that world, you probably saw early on yeah. what, what that distinction was. So I'm hoping people are listening to this And it's sort of setting them free, if you will, like helping them to understand the distinction, but then also helping them to understand that the battle is kind of internal. It's not something that, I mean, the rest of the world isn't looking and saying, "Mm, she's a designer. No, (laughs) definitely not an artist or or vice versa. Like it's something within you. And also I want to say to those, again, who are listening, who might be wanting to pursue something might think they need some sort of coaching. And I would I would say that sometimes the coaching that you need isn't on the business, it's more on you. It's more yeah. that life coaching kind of thing. And I know that both from my own experience having been a consultant, but I also know it from myself. Like sometimes the the thing that's blocking me isn't on a spreadsheet. It's not the concept. It's not the idea. It's something within me. I'm not thinking big enough. I'm not thinking strategically enough. I, you know, uh, whatever it could be. So, yeah. uh, you know, thank you for saying that because I think that's another thing that is worth investing in ourselves and in our businesses. Okay. So, COVID comes, big party, yeah. turn 40. <laughs> Yes. Processing all of these things. Three yes. little girls, by the way. And do you mind saying yes. their names? Because, I mean, you are living your brand <laughs> through and through. Yes. What, are, you, what are your daughter's names, Kari? So Sienna is 13 <laughs> and she's starting high school next year. So that's a whole other pursuit yes. of wonderfulness. And then Scarlett is just turned 11 and she's a fifth grader going into six and then indigo is my little one and she's in kindergarten yes and they are all colors colors yes <laughs> stay so, very on brand yeah yes you're very on brand very on brand <laughs> yes. i love it but it also it's i think it's emblematic of like how much this work means to you yeah. and it's obvious that it gives you joy but it's something that is a part of who you are it's something that you know, in my kind of worldview, like this is what you were meant to do. This is how you were meant to inspire the world, impact the world, decorate the world. And I mean, decorate in terms of the soul of it. I don't mean 
literally hanging literally things decorating. up. Um, so, so you go through all of that in COVID. You emerge like, okay, I'm going to focus on yep. sort of these more permanent installations. Yep. And then now we're starting to see doors opening and we're, you know, forget the most recent little spikes. But yeah. we're starting to see that people are really dying to get together again. People are really wanting to be in the same space, in the same room. What does that mean for you? I think with the events, it trickled back. And what was interesting was that the private event world kind of came back first. Because I think brands definitely were more cautious, mm-hmm. obviously, but you know, which would make sense too of like not coming back too quickly or, yeah. but now everyone's fully back. Believe me, it's like, it's like, so boom, private events back. being birthday parties, weddings, birthday parties, and a mitzvahs is a big thing for me. Anniversaries. Yeah, things like that. And, and the mitzvah in particular for me has been really successful and um, because I think they're youthful, colorful, and they yeah. are all wanting something and they have amazing themes and they want something yeah. unique. And they, you know, it's obviously a big party for their child, but it's also like for the family. And I've tapped into, um, I've got some great event planners that go to me for these things. And so that was amazing because that came became back and became back consistently for me. And so now it's like a whole other side of the business. It's like every weekend there's nearly a mitzvah of some sort. Yeah. Wow. It's great. Yes. I work with one particular planner and she's so creative and has these great ideas and we work together a lot. And so it's really enjoyable and we always dream up crazy great things. And then there's an in-between, which is a really interesting Mm -hmm. one, which I call kind of more semi-permanent, like they're more like installation stuff. So then some people will want something that's maybe up for four weeks or six months. What's an example of that? Like for an example, it's like a pop-up museum, like one of those Instagram kind of museums. So they have been, um, and I'm actually working on one right now. I'm really excited about it. I'm not sure if I can name it yet, but it's it's, it's it's happening. But I just don't want to say it just in case, but I'm working on one in New York right now and it's super exciting. And so those ones are like, Great, because it's going to last longer. So with this one's going to be, sure. I hope it's going to be up for like six to nine months. Okay. I don't want you to get in trouble and tell us Okay, no, is, I but, won't. I won't, but, but you'll see is, it on my Instagram. When is it going live? When will it well, go live? I, it's all still, it's happening over the summer. And I think they're hoping okay. to have a summer opening. Yeah. So now you have these four different yes. sort of uh, streams of revenue, these four different places where you can drive revenue. Yeah. Where have you landed on, like, as a brand, I want to be known for this one or these two, or or can you sort of build a reputation for being who you are in all four spaces? I feel like my goal is that I can be in all four spaces and it's mm-hmm. all similar. Because as you said, even um, when you look at my work, there's like a thread of commonality yeah. between all of them. And I do find that they kind of, blend so sometimes like for the interior art ones they're actually seeing something I've done for an event and they're like can we can we do that and maybe adjust it and it become something permanent and then sometimes I'm doing you know the semi-permanent installation stuff and they've seen it from an event and let's do that and adapt it and then it's more about how you build it then right because obviously Uh building something that's going to last longer you're using different materials or hardware or how you install it is going to be way different than installing something for that's up for a night versus something that's supposed to be there forever. And so there's been, I think for me that that's the learning curve is more the practical, I can make the art look great, but to hang it on the wall or hang it from the ceiling or like making sure it's safe and all those things has been like my biggest growth because yeah, of figuring that out. And that's where actually hiring some great team members have come in because they, I've kind of hired people that will help me figure out um, those kind of areas of it. But I, I, as a brand, I do try to sit in that moment of like, I'm creating like a moment of joy. It could be at an event. It could be like when you walk into a hotel, I want you to look at the art and it just provokes something mm. like a happiness. And I feel like as a brand, that's my overarching thing. And it could come out in different ways. It's interesting really to think about it like that, that your product is joy. It's this yes. tangible joy, right? Yeah. And yeah. that however it is expressed um, and for whoever it is expressed for, so whether the pop-up or the or the the hotel or whatever, is a minor function based on the way you're you're kind of building your brand, which is really interesting. And it's yeah. also interesting because it puts you very squarely in the middle of that artist and designer 
yes. kind of space. It like holds that tension. That's really interesting. And I think, again, for listeners to really, oh, let me flip the narrative yeah. here on what is what is it that I'm actually selling or that I'm actually offering? Yes. And it can provide us a, a nice little paradigm shift to rethink what we're doing. You talked about a staff and hiring people. And also, and, and for those listening, when they go to your site, your Instagram rather, they're gonna understand the scope of some of this stuff. Yeah. Where do you do this? And how do you involve a team when you've got something in New York? Like, are you shipping large segments of things you've worked on in your studio? And like, give us give us a day in the life. <laughs> day in the life is always different and crazy. Working with a team has been really great, especially coming from a place where it was just me creatively doing everything. And I think for me, it's always hard to let go of like the hand made process. So I've always, I tell all my team, I'm going to want to be in the trenches with you on some of these pieces, but I might only be able to do a couple of hours and then leave you for the rest of it. But you know, there's, there's elements of what I do that are important to me. And so I keep them. Um, each piece is so different, but I now have a down, like for events, we have a certain team of people. And so, cause for me, weekends had become invaluable. And I was like, I just can't be on the road doing an installation every, every weekend. So then there's certain ones that I personally will want to do if it's a new client or whatever. But now I've built up a team who will go install it, you know, we'll practice if there's elements of it that need to be practiced or figured out, we'll do that in the studio. So I have a studio space and quite close to where I live that I've rented. I actually rented from amazing friends. They are architects and they had this space and I keep growing. So I keep having to rent more of the space and they're like (laughs) also in the process of developing it. So we're kind of like, you know, we keep going, oh, we'll be fine for another. But I know eventually the dream is eventually to have like a whole space for like a car in color, amazing studio that also people could come and visit and could become a gallery. In terms of staff, it um, this year was my goal to kind of start putting like permanent, not, I don't have permanent full-time staff yet, but I have people in roles that are really important. So um, I've designated, I have a list of freelancers. So I have like project by project people and I know roughly their skill, their skill level, what they'd be good at. So then I would pull yeah. into that. So if I know something's coming up, I will email them and be like, hey, are you available? And I have like a long list of that. And I actually have a lot of people reach out to me of wanting to be part of what I do. I'm sure. And I, I, you, know what, and you know what I think it is too? I think it's like people crave working with their hands. And so a lot of people, I'm always surprised because some of them are like friends of mine who are graphic designers or these amazing people. And they're like, I just miss being around people. I'm on my computer all day long. I will just yes. come and work out yeah. your studio, whatever you have. And so I have this amazing people reach out to me all the time. And so we build up a list of people and I'm like, you know, look at their resumes, their skills. And then I have key people that are like my assistants. So I've event installation person who just loves being on site building things. And she's amazing. She's awesome. And she also is a videographer and a photographer. And so she has this combined role. Like she'll go to most installations. And sometimes I try to not have her even do much that she's just documenting, but then she'll also, you know, have the drill out or whatever. She's great. And then I've recently taken on testing out like a social media marketing person just to help with some of that stuff. Well, for you, your work is so visual and your growth is going to be based on that. So it's an integral part of, of, building in like Absolutely. your marketing campaign. And then I have one other person who's like my technical person. She's like the one who will do the technical part of things for me. So if I don't know how to hang something from a ceiling, what hardware okay. to use, she actually has this amazing skill set for that. She and I will brainstorm. She'll be like, this is what we need. And she's great. A lot of them are sitting in that freelance world and are really happy with it. So at the moment for me, that works really well because I kind of need a variation of couple of different people with different skills, but I don't have the capacity yet to have them all as a full-time employee. So it's great because a lot of them are in that world of loving doing a mixture of things. Sure. Well, then it keeps them really fresh, right? Because so they're constantly bringing their knowledge and their experience from whatever they're working on into, into your work. I have to ask though, are you ever nervous about like you're teaching people your method? You're teaching people you're giving them your secret sauce. It's a little bit like, come, let me show you how I make my cupcakes. Uh, Do you ever worry about that? 
Um, maybe sometimes, <laughs> not that you said it. No, no, obviously. I didn't mean like, to bring it up. No, 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 of course. And I think, um, I think it's a fine line, especially in the vent world. I feel like there's definitely overlap of other sure. people doing similar what I'm doing. It's not like I'm, it's super unique. Like it is unique to what I do, but like if someone else is doing something similar for another event, you do your own take of it. So I think in yeah. terms of the people I hire or, or come and work in my team, like every now and then someone will pop up and they're, you know, there, there has been things in the past where they've started their own thing and it's like a different level. And I'm like, you need to be able to tell me these things so I know. Yeah. And I'm more aware of it now um, in terms of just having those communications with people. You know, I have signed contracts, you know, things like that of being like, hey, what sure. are you learning here? You know, it's it's important, but I also understand and want to support people doing their own thing. Um in their own unique way. Because I feel like there's always going to be enough work for everyone. And Absolutely. I have the full believer in all that. And I much rather be a person who is encouraging and collaborating and working with them. And a lot of the girls I'm working with are younger in their 20s. And, you know, even the one who's really technical that I was saying, she got this opportunity of doing this job and doing these things. And she came to me and asked for advice and like advice about pricing and how to price it out. And it felt so good because I knew this, I knew this person, we were friends and invested in her. And I was so supportive for that, that it didn't feel competitive at all. Cause it's like, there's so much work out there for all of us and for her to be able to grow. And even for her coming and asking me for advice just meant so much to me. There's something about not looking for the one bad thing that could happen. I mean, being aware of it, being smart, yeah. but also like, look at all the good that can come when I'm able to share my art, share what I know, encourage these women, just like I'm sure people poured into you. We hope that those actions beget good actions, exactly. Um, exactly. karma, if you will. Yeah. But I also think there's a there's a sense of, and we've talked about this on this podcast before, but a sense of sort of not um, not being concerned with the creativity running out, not being concerned with you know this this concept of being able to sh share the wealth and that more more is within us, more will come up for us, um, and not having that scarcity sort of mindset. I still want the answer to the big pieces. So you start a big piece in the studio. Now, how do you get it do, to New York? Or do you have to ship everything out there? It depends on the piece, yes. For this New York okay. piece, I'm hoping that it will be in smaller pieces that I'll ship out there. So we'll okay. prep it all in the studio. And like then we'll ship it in parts. And then when I'm in New York, it'll be installing it in place and maybe adding different elements to it. The same thing with... Um, any event thing and everything. All of it is prepped in the studio. And then we either hire like U-Hauls and, you know, bring it, roll it into the event right. basically and assemble it. Most things are always going to be assembled on site and then the prep work okay. done in the studio. Yeah. So you even have to understand those costs, not only the yes. costs of the additional hands, but the costs of shipping and the U-Haul yep. and the assembling. And it's, it's so much more than when you were creating things and hanging them up. You know, it's, it's a next level. Yeah, and then with events, you also have to do like strike. So they have to come, you have to send a team back in to take it all down and bring it back. Like there's a whole, there's a whole level right. of things that people don't know. And I l definitely learned all that. Like you price something out and I'm just pricing it just for the art. And then I'd be like, oh, I, you know, needed the U-Haul van for that. You know, you need like the sandbags and the stands and the like yeah. renting things. And yeah, so I've got it down now. I know exactly what we need and I added in. And I'm sure there's some... With doing so much work now, there's some economies of scale, like you've been able to probably reuse some wood or some yes. hardware or, you know, chicken wire, or whatever. I don't know, making things up. Yes, I, but bins of ribbon and bins of like, yeah. yes. And, and, and now I know what things I will reuse and we catalog it and store it. I always also try to reuse pieces. So you hinted a little bit um, about the turning 40 and kind of what that meant to you, but I'm going to bring it back and focus a little bit more on that question. What do you think launching this particular, you know, Kari and Color has taught you about yourself? Yes, it's taught me so much. It's crazy. I think a lot of it is around the word confidence. And I think mm -hmm. for me, 
turning 40, seeing this grow has definitely just given me a confidence in myself and in my abilities. And it's funny because I think when people meet me and my personality, you don't know that necessarily that that was a struggle for me. But I think starting and launching and finding Car and Color become successful has just given me such this amazing sense of confidence in my ability and who I am. And then that filters out in a positive way. I think it's also made me realize of my abilities like that I can take on and do big things like and things I've always been scared of like conflict scared of you know that fear of so many things and I think car and color and doing the things I'm doing handling situations I'm doing is just again just giving me like oh like you can do this and like all the big dreams and things in my head I'm like you can do this and go for it so that's probably been the biggest thing just being able to say yes and no to things and just having more confidence in my decision making and yeah and and a lot of that really has only been recent and like yeah. really figuring all that out and so it like you know 40s is great for that no i i'm glad you said that as as you know we pivoted here to really yeah. focus on telling stories of women 40 plus not because women under 40 aren't doing amazing things, but because we have this built-in narrative that somehow we should be slowing down and it's kind of the end of our run. And by the way, like, why? Like, I don't understand where this came from, except for people weren't living as long. And so maybe that that was the accepted narrative for a long time. Yeah. And didn't have as many interesting opportunities, right? We just, we didn't socially um, or societally. So now it's like, oh my gosh, we truly are just getting started. That's not just a t-shirt so that we can feel better about our age. It happens to be true. Like there is so much ahead of us and there's so much still to be learned and still to be people still to to impact. And I include in that, of course, ourselves. But I'm even imagining your three daughters watching you, watching yeah. what, what mom is capable of, not just what dad is capable of, but what mom yeah. is capable of and what that means for them because they identify with you in terms of their, yes. their gender. So they're really keeping an eye on that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. what a gift that is to them. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and that's like been a huge thing for me as well because, because again, of what I do, it's, it's like a fun environment to be in. And so I try to bring the girls into different variations. So cool. It's funny, even today in the car, I was telling them I was doing like a podcast and um, like Scarlett just got really excited about that and was like, mom, that's great. And like, she was like, what are they going to ask you? And like, was really, oh. and I was like, oh, <laughs> like I should talk about this stuff more. You know, you you kind of yeah. think they just know what's happening. But I was like, no, what um, like an amazing opportunity to be that model for them and having three daughters. And my husband's just in such a more traditional career. And so he looks like 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 indigo the youngest is always like dad's always working mom you don't work do you like you know and it's the perception yeah. i was like i do but you just you know i'm happy like about it not that he's not happy but you know he's working yes. from home so it's more visual yes. with them but it's more just the conversation of constantly like oh no mom like works really hard too and mom contributes and that narrative is really important to me sure and the different ways that work can look Yes, right? Even exactly. in the example that you just said that work, it's not a serious nine to five endeavor, especially for these kids who are growing up in, an, yeah. in a completely different world. And it's not going to necessarily look like that. And that doesn't equal hard work. Hard work doesn't mean sitting in front of a computer nine to five. And conversely, we still need to do hard work, yeah. but yes, that's not, exactly. what, you know, that's not the exactly. interpretation of that. It's, um, it's working smarter and being more strategic and being more, I think, focused with our time. So what's a favorite hack or book or practice that you've been doing that you want uh, our listeners, you know, knowing that they're over 40? I have two books. Can I show two? And I have yes. them with me. Yes. I love it. Okay. So the first one I have is, I don't know if you've heard of this one. This is Joyful. It's a book called Joyful and it's by Ingrid Fettel Lee. And she uh-huh. also has a brand called The Aesthetics of Joy. And for me, this book, like, was just, 
it was almost like she was the one who did all the thesis and research on me or what it was. But it was all about the surprising power of ordinary things to create extraordinary happiness. And it's just all about the science of joy. And it's a lot of it's through design. And she has a beautiful Instagram. And she I actually got to meet her when she did a talk in L.A. And she's really been someone who just has inspired me or just given me language to some of the things like creating objects and and having interiors and feelings of joy and so highly recommend that book and I love it um and then the other one is more practical and you've probably heard of this one but it's this Laura Vanderkamp I know how she does it Uh and I I, like being an artist and a creative I was so surprising to me how much I loved this book because it was super um practical but it's all about successful women and how they make the most of their time and it went super practical where it's like she she got very successful women who have multiple, you know, kids, hobbies, things like that, and charts their, their time and basically kind of breaks it down of actually we have more time to do things than we know. When I was entering work, getting busier, my career getting busier, I was like, how am I going to juggle that with what I want to be as a mom and as a friend? And it just helped me really practically of like, yeah, here's my time. Here's where where my energy is at in the evenings, you know, um, like 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. is actually a sweet spot for me. And it's like how to like just not miss that with stuff, but use that. Sure. Yeah. So those two are really my faves. Both of those are awesome. I can't wait. <laughs> yes. to, I actually know about the Joyful book. I have a friend yes. who's actually studying joy. Oh, wow. But the other one, I I only know it because I've seen it. I didn't yes. know what was inside. I didn't realize that. No. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really great. Where, where was that book 10 years ago? I could have used it. I know, I know. And I think it also just was, there was also a level of like preconceived idea of the CEO women who just seem to like, run things. So I was like, how do they work? And how does their brain work? And, and then there's even ones of people charting who had had newborn babies and when they would, you know, breastfeed in the night, but how they managed to do things. And, and it was right. all about balance. So the whole thing about it is, it's not like these women were happy. They had a sense of balance. They had time for mm. things. And it really broke down on how they did that. And that's what I loved mm-hmm. about it because it had told the narrative of like, we as women can have an amazingly successful career, but also have time for these other things. And you just have to be strategic about it. And super intentional, it sounds like. Yes, yes. That there's an intention with the way that we're spending our time. They're not getting lost scrolling on social media or exactly. whatever for hours on exactly. end. Um, yeah. And then how would you, Kari, describe <laughs> midlife in one word? Adventure, that was it. Oh. Yeah, you said, yeah, I was like, it's an adventure for sure, yes. I love it. And I love adventures. Okay. There's so many quotables in all of this. I can't wait to (laughs) capture. And then what would you say to someone, a girlfriend who says, you know, you can do it. You did it. You kind of launched, really went full on in your forties, but I don't, I think it's too late for me. I would be like, that's not a true narrative that they should be telling themselves and that they should go for it. Um, and what could go wrong? Like, and there's, I would also be like, what is really holding you back from doing it? Because mm-hmm. it really shouldn't be your age or where you're at. What is really the narrative? What are you really telling yourself? And is that the excuse? Because a lot of time I feel like for people, sometimes they'll say, you know, I'm getting too old for this or things, you know, I can't pursue it and blame it on their age. But I'm like, I, I think it's more fear or there's something else in it. So sure. I would recommend then what we'd said, like of doing some sort of life coaching thing, figuring it out and... Um, if you really want to do it, there's definitely, you should definitely just go for it. I love that. And then if you were mentoring your younger self, what's something <laughs> you'd want her to know about midlife? This is so funny because I, I remember a particular conversation I had when I was oh, you younger. Do? Uh, yeah, about, well, more about what I perceived 40s to be like. And so I have a really younger sister who's like 15 years younger than me. And I must have been in my 20s. And she said, Kari, when I get married, like you're going to be like my maid of honor. And I was like, I'll be in my 40s. I'm not going to be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny because I was recently back home and I we were talking I was talking to her about it I was like oh that's the narrative I was so sorry I was apologizing to that to myself of like saying that about being in 40s I think I would say to her now of like <laughs> do not narrow yourself that each stage of your life of each decade or each stage of it is so precious and to enjoy it and that it 
no way does it stop at a certain point that I, I firmly believe every decade, every age, like I'm hoping I'm doing something cool and new in my seventies, like that there's yeah. like that, there's that goal to do that. And I would say that to her because there's been moments now that I'm like, I was almost in my thirties in the, like right in the middle of parenting and mothering and babies and toddlers, like that you just, I just wanted that to be over so I could get to this yeah. point but then now I'm like those moments are precious and you'll never get yeah. them back and so I think I would say yeah. that to her of like each stage enjoy it and it get so the precious. most out of it so true I've been watching uh the season end of uh this is us I don't know if you oh, watch that but I watched the start okay. of it I've not I've watched the first oh my um, gosh oh my gosh <laughs> it's so intense but it is bringing up for me all of this like wow, like what are we doing with our time? How are we spending it? Who are we impacting? What are we here for? Which is, you know, something I spend time thinking about anyway. Yeah. But it's it's funny how that, how it's true. Yeah. That it's those early true. years that you're just like, I'm sweating and I'm done. My back's breaking. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I have three giant humans in my life. <laughs> like I, what I would do for just one more little, sniff of yes. their little, little baby yes. head or whatever. Little baby head. <laughs> Yes, yes, but um, although I'm enjoying this this season yes, too, same anyway. with me. I was like, I don't know, maybe we no, could just go back I for a day, go back just <laughs> yeah. for a moment. Yeah, I think that's what moment. grandparenting is for. You're <laughs> yes, like one yes. little moment, and then here you go. <laughs> yeah, here you go. And then, how has launching this venture really liberated you, Kari, as a person, as a woman? I think for me, again, it's all about confidence, and for me, being what I've done is liberate. It's like giving me confidence to do the big things and not being afraid mm. of the big dreams, the big goals, the big like um, aspirations I have. And to that in reality, I'm like, oh, you could really do this and really go for it. And so for liberate it for me is just being able to be comfortable with saying yes to all that and having the confidence of like, you can do it and go for it. Mm. <laughs> and you can, and you have. Thank you yes. for being such a wonderful example for us. And thank you for sharing your time with us today. Thank you for having me. This has been great. And I can't wait for your daughters to listen to it. Let me know what they say. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I'm, sure they'll, I'm sure they'll be happy to hear their names were mentioned. Yeah. Hi, ladies. I, I sh I'll say hi, ladies, to them now. And yes. Liberty listeners, thank you for spending this hour with Kari. And we will have all of her information. Go, 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 go to her Instagram. You are going to love it. And it will provide so much context for this conversation. Until next week. Bye. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham and music by Jordan Flower. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.